You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. In my lifetime, I expect to see three, four, perhaps even more women on the high court bench. Women not shaped from the same mold, but of different complexions. All right. Welcome back to episode two of the United States of Women. This is our new podcast on the Geek Elite Network. Mm -hmm. I am Elizabeth, and with me today is Jessica. Hello. So, Jessica, I know we talked a little bit last week about why I like history Mm -hmm. and all of those good things. So why do you like history? I like people. So I, yeah, I know you have a history major. I have a psychology degree. Um, so people just, just fascinate me. And I'm also a writer. So a lot of ideas actually come from history. And, you know, I'm, I'm a female writer and I write about strong and powerful women. And it's kind of sort of frustrating sometimes how there really isn't a lot about strong and powerful women in history. And so I've, I've made a lot of discoveries thanks to the internet of like women in history. I never knew about really yeah. like um, not quite American, but American history, but like a lot of Russian women. Um, Fair. One of my favorite things to learn about was the night witches. And it just, uh, it just frustrated me so much. And I was like, how have I never learned about this till now till I'm like researching Russian history for some book story I was doing and I was like how have I never heard about these badass Russian women that flew plane it's called the cold war oh right oh it's called it's called Russia yeah (laughs) um well awesome so speaking of powerful women um I've got one for you again this week. All right. Um, again from Delaware. We're dealing with Delaware. Um, so I know we opted to do this in the order in which the states joined the union, mm-hmm. which actually turned out really well for me because we had also talked about possibly doing it alphabetically. And alphabetically, I'd have to start with Alabama. But Delaware actually has this awesome website. It's called the Hall of Fame of Delaware Women, mm-hmm. where they induct women into it every year um usually like three to five of just like awesome delaware women throughout history and like presently and they've got this cool little website where they give you a blurb about mm-hmm. the woman and who she was and why she's important and then a, an audio clip of somebody talking about her for like just one and a half two minutes so like obviously i've got to dig in a lot more for these kinds of episodes but it's really awesome that they're doing that. Yeah, it's a nice way to find, just quickly find like, oh, yeah. look, Delaware just has it all out for you. They're yes. awesome and amazing women. So for this one, I want to get you in the mindset because the woman I'm talking about is all over the board. So we've got the abolitionist movement. All righty. We've got Canada. Ooh, Canada. I love yes. Canada. Ooh, we Canada. have maple syrup. Education and the Quakers. All righty. Okay, so do you, you know who the Quakers are? We got the Quakers. It, yeah, we got the Quakers. Not, not the oatmeal Quakers, although <laughs> they did steal that from the mm-hmm. actual Quakers, but yep. the, the New England Quakers. Mm-hmm. And then we have um, the suffrage movement towards the end of this. All righty. Okay, so we're, we're definitely in that, that time frame. Okay, so okay. we got 1800s for sure. We got 1800s, absolutely. And then we have law school. Law school. Yes. Yes. So today we are actually talking about Marianne Shad or Marianne Shad Carey. 
Mm-hmm. So Marianne Shad is her maiden name, and it's definitely the name that's used most frequently. Because who needs that married name? <laughs> who needs the married name? So talking about Marianne Shad, born in Wilmington, Delaware this time. So this is the the most populous city? Yes. Because Dover is the second most populous city. Okay. Correct. You were Yay. listening. I remember. <laughs> so she was born October 9th, 1823 in Wilmington, Delaware. Okay. She was the oldest of 13 children. Oi. Please comprehend that. <laughs> I could not live back then. That's just... That's too many. That's like, a lot. Like, oh, God, the concept of being in labor 13 times just, like, hurts me physically <laughs> before we even, like, get going. So she was born to um, two freed African-Americans. So at the time, Delaware was a slave state. So oh, okay. we know that we've got, you know, slave states, non-slave states. Most of the slave states are in the South, but Delaware was, in fact, a slave state at the time that Marion Shad was born and growing up. So she's living as an African-American who is free right next to seeing her own... Her own people. Oh, gosh. Okay. Others of the African-American race being enslaved at the same time. Okay, so this is how she kind of grew up. So we were definitely mm-hmm. like dealing with, when you talk of psychology, like definitely dealing with a lot of heavy emotions, oh, yeah. a lot of potential trauma. I could going definitely on see how, with her origins, that she went on to do so many things, it sounds like. Yeah. So her education started out with the Quakers in Delaware. Okay. Woot Quakers. Yeah. Um, so that's. That's where she got her early education. Her parents were huge mm-hmm. activists in yeah. the um, mm-hmm. abolitionist movement in the Underground Railroad. Um, oh, right. So her house, her childhood home, actually has been nominated as a national park. Um, so she, it's a historical site, part of the Underground Railroad. All of that good stuff. So actually, I got a fair amount from them on okay. this. Obviously, I started out in terms of citations with Wikipedia mm-hmm. after I found her name on the lovely Delaware Hall of Fame of Women. Um, and then most of my information came from the Britannica Encyclopedia entry. Bring um, back encyclopedias. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, because whoever did this, like, there's this awesome picture of her on it. Where she just looks like completely fed up with, I mean, nobody on the, who's listening to this can see this, but you can see this. Like, she looks completely fed up with the world. She's like, mm, I'm not having mm. any of this shit. Like, I, I don't give a... She really, oh yeah, that stern gaze. Just like, why are yeah. you even taking my picture right now? Like, I've got to sit for like 30 minutes to take this photo. I have other things I've I got, could be doing. I've got so many better why things Why even to bother? Do. I've got so many better things to do. So... In the 1840s, 1850s, mm-hmm. we have the Fugitive Slave Law passed. Okay. So she... Now, that's that's the one where they could... Was it like if, if, if a slave left into a freed state, they could be taken, right? From Yes. So basically, you end up with like the precursor to bounty hunters. Right. Okay. So if you, if you as a slave owner claimed... Mm-hmm. That one of your slaves escaped, you could send bounty hunters across state lines, including into free states, okay. to retrieve 
your property, Uh, but retrieve the slave. Well, the bounty hunter could claim anybody was that slave. So you didn't have to have proof of ownership necessarily? Like, I I don't even know how they had... You basically just need to find, like, um, so, like, if a slave owner claimed, you know, I had a male slave approximately 25 years old who escaped. So they could find any African-American. African-American that was 25 years old and just be like, yep, that's this. Oh, I feel like there's a movie that that showed that. Yeah. Oh, what was it called? Um, it won things. I watched it, too, in yeah. theaters. It had what's-his-face in it, and then what's-her-face. <laughs> Super Mitch? descriptive. Where, where's Mitch? <laughs> I don't know the names of actors. It had, it had the lady that was in Wakanda. I think he's also in Wakanda, too. Oh, what was that movie? We'll think of it I'll later. look it up. I'll yeah, Google look, it. I Google got Google. It. Google it. But anyway, so basically, like, this is a good way to, like, put serious fear into everybody because like there's just there's there's just so much there's so much um but so because of this uh, Marianne Shad and most of her family goes and oh you found it it's 12 years a slave 12 that's, years a slave. that's you. what it is I was like I, thank you I, I think that the the main character in that one was taken during yeah. that time for the same reasons like he just matched the description and like it was it was a huge problem it was it was just I mean, like let's face it this entire time period was just a huge huge problem. problem but um so for but for freed african-americans in particular this was a huge issue mm-hmm. so mary and chad and a bunch of her siblings like peace out they're like that's it we're immigrating to canada and so they they bounce around a bit um in september of 1851 in toronto marianne shad ends up attending the first north american convention of colored freemen which was held outside the united states so they had been holding them inside the united states but they're like eh, no, 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 no. like can't do this anymore so it's the first one held outside of the u.s okay um, talking there are Henry Bibb, Josiah Henson, and J.T. Fisher, as well as other seriously prominent figures mm-hmm. um, from all over, from Canada, the U.S., England even, like people came across across the pond to like be like, what's up? This is ridiculous. Wow. Um, and many of the convention delegates encouraged enslaved Americans and refugees to enter into Canada. So like they're like, come on, just just come here. Like mm-hmm. just just come here. Come to Canada. So at the convention, Marianne meets all sorts of people, including Henry and Mary Bibb, who are activists and publishers of the newspaper called The Voice of the Fugitive. Um, and they persuaded her to take a teaching position near their home in Sandwich, which is now Windsor, Canada. Oh, why didn't they stay with Sandwich? <laughs> I don't know. I would totally go live in a place called Sandwich. Right, right. <laughs> I'm definitely down for it. Um, so she sets up there. Okay. And she starts a racially integrated school that all can attend. So, like, she doesn't charge. It's not private. Um well, it's private, but she like charges basically nothing. Okay. Um, because there was no public education at this time, so like not in Canada, not in the U.S. Like nobody 
has public education. It's all just private. So unless you're wealthy or you can get hooked in with the Quakers, like you don't get an education. Hmm. So she sets one up. And while she's there, she starts writing educational booklets and she starts trying to basically create opposition for segregated schools. So like this is pre 13th amendment and she's already talking about, well, we don't figure out how to get done to like 1960s. Like she's like, no, 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 you no, we don't racially segregate schools. Like you need them integrated because mm-hmm. if you don't integrate them, like you can't integrate society. Like this no. is where society starts. Yeah. So like she's clearly like solidly an entire century ahead of her time. Like she clearly knows what she's doing. So at this time she then gets hooked in with um, Samuel Ringgold Ward, who's a well-known public speaker and an escaped slave person, enslaved person who's living in Toronto originally. Okay. But the paper, she gets hooked in with him and she and he, along with a couple others, start publishing a newspaper called The Provincial Freeman. So she becomes, at this moment, in the early 1850s, she becomes the first female editor-in-chief the first newswoman of wow in all of north america like no other woman has ever been editor-in-chief at this time but because of that she basically hides the fact that she's editing the newspaper so like she just revokes her name from everything she doesn't put her name on anything she publishes she just kind of is like yeah i will i will edit i will be the editor-in-chief but, but nobody's going to know. Let's not have society know because that's going to hurt our numbers. Because yes. Nobody's going to buy a paper edited by a woman. Correct. Mm. So. But smart. Yeah. True. It's smart. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So it gets published from 1853 through 1860 when it finally succumbs to financial pressure. So. After that. The Civil War. It's 1860. Civil War is going on. Mm hmm. Abraham Lincoln's been elected president. Yay, team. Mm. Out of applause. Civil War starts. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, the Civil War is not... It's it's about slavery. It's about states' rights, quote-unquote. Mm. You can see my eye roll, but... Yeah. Um, it was big. Question, it was very major eye roll, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah. But the, the question of the 13th Amendment hasn't yet come up. Like, it, it's not a thing yet. Okay. Okay. So, Marianne Shad decides she's going to move back to the U.S. and she's going to start opening schools all across the North. She's just, she's like going to town opening the schools. Mm-hmm. While she is doing that, at the same time, because this woman does not sit still, clearly. She reminds me of someone. <laughs> <laughs> she is doing multiple other things. One, she is recruiting soldiers heavily for the Union Army. She's like going left and right, like recruiting. She's like one of the Union Army's top recruiters. She's just like, get them in there, get them signed up, go kill people. Go um, kill. Which is, <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of issues with that, but she's recruiting for the Union Army. She okay. is also starting to get heavily involved with the U.S. publications by African Americans. So, Frederick Douglass. Name you've heard. All right. Name yep. you know. A lot of people have known Frederick Douglass. Okay. You know about all of his publications mm-hmm. and all all the things he's been busy about doing. Mm-hmm. So he he's publishing. He's talking with all the old men, doing the publishing stuff. All that's fine and dandy. He decides, I'm going to put out 
a like public call for input. Like okay. What what should we be discussing? What should we be putting out more? What yeah? You know, what can we be doing to help the abolition what movement? What does the public want us to do? Because yes. we don't know what to do. So Marianne Shad's got all sorts of opinions. Oh. And this woman's got opinions. I like I like the opinion. She's got lots of opinions, and she is not afraid to share them. So she writes to Douglas. Mm. She this public call goes out, and she's like, "All right, you want to know? I will tell you what you need to know." All righty. So she writes, and and basically the summation of it is, mm-hmm. we need to talk less and do more. Like the old guard needs to stop just yip yapping away. Like no more debates. No more debates. Mm-hmm. No more talking about the need for equality. Like. Get off your butts and start doing something about Why it. Why do we need to talk about the need for equality? Yes. We know we need equality. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> yeah. So, Frederick Douglass actually publishes this mm. piece with her name attached. So, this is the first time, like, her name is actually attached to the pieces. All right. Okay. So, she goes through and she just basically reams them. Just complete, <laughs> complete obliteration. And at the end, Douglas's editor commentary is, you know, she's probably right. Uh, she's wrong. <laughs> she's, she's probably not wrong. So, and of course, she's writing this piece while opening schools all over the place. And recruiting soldiers. And recruiting soldiers. Union. And, you know, she's married at this point. So, I guess we didn't... So, while she was in Canada publishing... And being an editor-in-chief, mm-hmm. she meets a gentleman, Ooh. Mr. Carey. Um, actually, I could not find his name anywhere. <laughs> Who needs his name? Clearly nobody, like, I'm sure it's out there and I He's, just missed it. Yeah. But, like, he was clearly such a foot, footnote in her life, which I feel, <laughs> like, a little bad about, but not really. Um, <laughs> but so she's, like, also raising a family. But he was a barber in Toronto. Okay. Okay. So he was a barber in Toronto, Canada, and he also wrote for the Provincial Freeman, and he moves back to the U.S. with her, and they're raising a family. Oh, wait, he he wrote for the paper that she edited? Yes. Ooh. (laughs) Right? Scandalous. Scandalous. Um, But so, you know, so she's doing all this and raising a family because, you know, superwoman. Mm -hmm. Um, So she writes to Frederick Douglass. She gets published. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is definitely a thing. And she is, she's, so she's, opening schools at this time in Wilmington, Delaware, mm-hmm. Westchester, Pennsylvania, New York, like just the state of New York, all right. <laughs> like all over New York, Morristown, New Jersey, and then additionally, like she's still opening more schools in Canada. Okay. So unfortunately, the ones in the U.S. are segregated, like she just, she can't get them racially integrated, but she is opening them. You do unfortunately have to follow the laws at the time, which was segregation. Yeah. So she's, but she's like, she's like, you know what? Even if I can't get them racially integrated, like kids are going to get an education. Like, so help me God. (laughs) These kids are going to get an education. Because change starts with education. (laughs) Right. So she's doing all this. She's doing all of that. She's going, she's going, she's going. Then... She decides to move to Washington, D.C. to start teaching. Okay. And she's basically setting herself up for Act Two. All right. Like, this is literally just Act One. I, oh, okay. Like, up and through the conclusion of Civil War, just Act One. Okay. Marianne's like, I got so much more. <laughs> <laughs> like, here's my intermission. I'm going to go to D.C., teach for a couple of years, and then I'll be back. All righty. Okay. So then she comes back and she attends 
the newly opened Howard University Law School in Washington, D.C. Okay. All okay. right. Howard okay, so University. She, she's been teaching. She's been running newspapers. She's been a complete and total badass. And then she's like, you know what I can do? I can, I can go to law school. <laughs> I can go do the ridiculous. I can go to law school. So she attends law school. And she becomes the first black woman to complete a law degree in 1883. So she gets her law degree. Okay, wow. Oh. And she becomes, she joins the ranks of one of the first women to receive a law degree in the U.S. Because women were, like, not allowed in law school. Like, uh-uh. was like, no, 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 no. You can go to college if you really want. Because, you know, we'd like you to know about literature and the arts. No, no, no. Things. No, you go to college to meet a man. <laughs> That's- well, I mean, colleges were segregated by gender. Yeah, yeah, but but you'd go to the sister school so you could. Yeah, meet you'd always the go social. to the and then you just yeah. you can go meet at the parties. <laughs> but you, but law school. What what does a woman also, need with a law degree? No. Um, so she completes her law degree, okay. and then she goes on the suffragette rampage of a lifetime. Like she is going all over the place. She's speaking with Susan B. Anthony right. and with Mary Todd and with all of the suffragette women. Like, she's just parading, like... No other. Protesting, (laughs) going all around the town. She is speaking in front of the Senate, speaking in front of the House, speaking in front of the Supreme Court. Like, she's just going on and on and on and on and on about the need for for women's suffrage. Okay? And she's Mm -hmm. all over the place. She then, in the 1890s, becomes the first female to attend what is, as a keynote speaker, mm-hmm. what would become the precursor to the NAACP, so the Black National Convention. Okay. Okay. All right. And she gives an, an address on women's suffrage, on the need for the women's right to vote, on the need for equality and on education, and basically uh, just her mm-hmm. whole list of grievances of everything that needs to get done. Mm-hmm. Basically everything that people have fought for, won, and are still fighting for. Because I think about the fact that, like, just this year, we finally got the 38th state to ratify the equality on gender amendment to the Constitution. And everybody's like, eh, but it might be too late. <laughs> yeah. Because the amendment may have lapsed, which is just a whole nother. But so- oh, right. Because the deadline, I, rem- I do remember hearing about that on yeah. NPR. It was like, oh, the deadline had passed like 10 years ago. And be like, why is there a deadline for this? <laughs> Right? Right. Why is this not already a thing, though? Like, who just slept on it 10 years ago? What the hell? Yeah, no. But so, like, so like she's having this conversation, like, mm-hmm. at the turn of the last century. Like, she's dealing with this 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And she's like, look, women need equal rights. Women need, women need equal rights. And 100 years later, you and I are sitting here on this podcast going, women need equal rights. Women Why? need equal rights. Why Still, is this and so even hard? before her, I do believe Abigail Adams said to her husband, John Adams, don't forget the women. Right? <laughs> Did he forget? Oh, he forgot. Yeah. <laughs> he freaking <we> forgot. <laughs> Men wonder why we have to nag. It's because they keep forgetting shit. I know, right? <laughs> anyway, so she attends the convention. She does. She She's like, go into town. Go into town. And then, unfortunately, mm-hmm. as, as occurs, she ends up passing June 5th, 1893, in Washington, D.C., in the midst of these protests and fights. She, she dies of natural causes. It's nothing, you know, horrendous like that. But 
She passed away June 5th, 1893. So what, that's like 30 years before the women's right to vote. Women's right to vote. Yes. But, but she started it. She did start it. it. Forward. Yes. So then in the 1970s, her mm-hmm. home, her childhood home, mm-hmm. becomes designated a national park and a historical site. All right. Yay, so, team. It, so it's protected and it's will protected. always be there. Yes. <laughs> um, she then gets designated as one of the first um, women to be inducted in the ha- in Delaware Hall of Fame, which is like number four. So she's right. she's real high up there. And then in 1994, she was designated a person of national historic significance in Canada. So can't, the entire country, Canada's like, yeah, no, 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 we can do better. Like Delaware, that's cute. <laughs> that's cute and all. That's cute and all. But she's a national person in Canada. Like, she is a very significant. Yes. So she has been designated as a person of national historic significance in Canada. So that is Mary Ann Shad Carey. Woo-hoo. So who needs the carry though? Who needs the carry? Who needs the carry? <laughs> but wife, mother, newspaper woman, editor in chief, educator, lawyer, <laughs> and suffrage abolitionist and suffragette. Like she's just she is like all over the board. <laughs> all the things, all the things that yeah. you could do at that time. And they call like all of the articles are like her act two was to go to law school. And I'm like, no, that's like act four. No. Like really, like act one is immigrate to Canada and start a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Act two is open a bunch of schools mm-hmm. and raise a bunch of money for the Union Army. Act three is basically tell the abolitionist movement, get off your butts and do something about it. Yeah. Then act four is, okay, now I'll go to law school and fight for women's rights. Yep. Like, I fought this fight. Right, and then this, I fought this fight. Let's move on to this one. <laughs> like, so, but yeah, no, she is, she is a fantastic person and I'm glad that she's being recognized for all of her spectacular greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, we always hear about Harriet Tubman and, and her fight in the abolitionist movement and mm-hmm. obviously and never, the underground railroad and all that fun stuff. So, and like, obviously you don't discount that, but like, Mm-mm. she's clearly not the only one. And like, we don't talk about the fact that like, post-Civil War, mm-hmm. during the Reconstruction period, you also had what they, what historians typically call the Black Renaissance. Yes. So you have all of these people like Mary and Shad who are becoming doctors and lawyers and mm-hmm. educators scientists and scientists and, and lawmakers and, and just doing huge amounts of things, which, mm-hmm. you know, eventually, unfortunately, get, like, wiped out after Reconstruction. You know, they, they get buried in the history books. Um, because who wrote the history books? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, the the resurgence with the Jim Crow laws and all of those terrible things, so mm-hmm. we, we miss them. But they're just, they're so awesome. And they, they do so much. And, like, clearly she's she's all over the board. Like, mm-hmm. she's she's touching everything, like, well, she started all the schools. She started all the schools. She started all the schools. And like, you know, we don't hear about her like we hear about Susan B. Anthony. And we don't hear, you mm-hmm. know, like, I always like to think about the people like, even our presidents, like, who was whispering in their ear? Who was the person standing next to them? Mm-hmm. Who was the person like... That they looked up to. Yeah, doing all the work. Mm-hmm. But not quite getting all the credit because you don't really need credit when you're doing the right thing. Work, yeah. Yep. So, but that is Marianne Shad. 
So we'll move into the 20th century, the 1900s next week for some awesome educators and police chiefs and all those good (gasps) things. Police chiefs. Yes, in the coming coming episodes. Um, But this has been episode two of the United States of Women. Thank you all very much for joining us. If you have anything to add or any suggestions for me on who you'd like to hear about, maybe from like your home state or anything like that, I will definitely give you a shout out or anything we possibly forgot yes if i if i messed something up by all means <laughs> please let me know because lord knows there is a lot of information out there mm-hmm. i do my best to synthesize it but that does not mean i don't mess up the facts every once in a while yep. so i am completely fallible please just let me know um so if you would like to reach out to us jessica where can people find you online you can find me on twitter at jm bailey writes Okay, and you can find me attached to the Geekalidia Network. So you can find us uh, on Twitter at Geekalite Media. It's also Geekal- at Geekalite Media on Instagram. And facebook.com forward slash Geekalite Media is our Facebook page. Okay. You can email us at United States of Women at geekalitemedia.com. So basically, the name of the podcast at geekalitemedia.com. I think you all are getting the gist of this. It's a lot of geekly. (laughs) And you can check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts from our network on our website, Mm geeklymedia.com. But until next time, this is the United States of Women on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.